Blog Talk Radio. Your mom tonight, Shirley. Howdy. Okay. All right. I wasn't expecting that answer, but all right. Oh. All right. Well, let's stand together, tuck a songbook out, and let's turn to number three tonight. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Let's sing it. Amen. Hungry, that's what it is. 
anyway, and she has a bed and breakfast there. We're going to be staying at. So pray for us. Uh, pray for us and, uh, that that God will guide everything. Um, my heart's desire is to go down there and God use me. And like I told, like I was telling them on the way over here, whether whether He uses me tremendously or whether He uses Dr. David Shepard tremendously, it really doesn't matter to me. I just want to see people get revived. I just want to see people get saved. I just want to see God move. I just want to see things get better down there. I just want to see God move in my presence. I just want to feel the presence of God myself. So please pray. God put his hand on me. That God has used me far beyond my own capabilities. And that God will use what I say to reach in somebody's heart and show them that they're lost or show them that they need to repent and get right with God. Uh, that's my heart's desire. Pray that we have traveling mercies down there and, and uh, have a good trip while we're gone. And we'll be praying for y'all back here and praying for y'all have a good good Sunday with Brother Lucas and his family here. And hope y'all enjoy yourselves and have a good fellowship meal. And uh, we'll remind everybody who's listening in tonight that Sunday that there will be a fellowship meal like the end of the month. So uh, be sure and bring food to participate and uh, be a part of that. Anything else? Prayer request from anybody else? Yes. Hi. All right. Yeah, Miss Charlotte Bell. And hurt her leg. Y'all pray for her. She's glad she's back tonight. Others? Okay. All right. Good thing. Yes, Mary? Okay. 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 Any others? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord tonight. Let's meet with him. Let's pray to God and meet with us as we meet together. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all be seated. Thank you. 
all access pass to everything that is to do with God and his glory. Praise God. It's coming soon. Coming soon. I can't say exactly when, but it's coming soon. Because the Antichrist is coming soon. And we're out of here soon. I'm telling you right now, God's got a plan, and God's going to work his plan. And we're a part of his plan, and we will be out of here soon. But praise God, and I'm ready. Amen. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to go. Amen. I, I do, and I hope folks listening to us tonight are ready. And if they're not ready, I hope they'll get ready because Christ's coming soon. Amen. There's too many things that's happening. I ain't going to go through it all again tonight. But I'm just going to say, because I don't know. I mean, I, I, this may be the last time I preach to y'all. I mean, I realize that. I'm not saying it's going to be, but I'm saying it could be. And, and if so, praise God. I won't have to preach to you no more. We'll all be up in heaven. We can just, we just know it all. I won't have to say another word about it. Y'all, y'all just walk around the street and go, see me go, preacher. I know it all now. Hallelujah. I'll I, I tell you, so do I. Amen. Because <laughs> I sure don't know. But I praise God I got a book that's got it all in it. Amen. So let's get in it tonight. Chapter 19, we're going to start ch- chapter 19 of Proverbs tonight. And uh, again, if the Lord don't come back before I get back, I'll be back. We'll be back in it next week. So, but uh, well, actually, we won't be back in it next week from here. But I'll be doing it from there. That's why we're going to do that next week. So next, remember that next Wednesday night we won't have service here. You just need to log on and if you watch it on Facebook, if you can, if you can't, then I'll just see you next Sunday. <laughs> okay. But a uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verses one through seven tonight. We go ahead and read them, and then we'll, we'll – I don't normally do that, but I feel like doing it tonight. Let's read verses 1 through 7. It says, Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good, and he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. The foolishness of man perverteth his ways, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Wealth maketh many friends but the poor is separated from his neighbor. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting unto him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for loving me. I thank you that you're so faithful. And Lord, I thank you that your word just, Lord, it just gives us truth. It it is truth. It just floods us with wisdom as we study it, Lord. It gives us the tools, the the, the know-how to make it through life successfully, Lord, how to do things your way, how to have the mind of Christ, how to, to, to think justly and fairly. And, and, and rightly, Lord, I just pray tonight you'll help us to study it, learn from it, glean from it. Father, I just pray you'll help me, Holy Spirit, open my understanding of the Word of God even clearer tonight as I preach. And, Lord, I pray that the truth flow from my lips, Lord, and help those that hear. Holy Spirit of God, I know that I can't do it. It has to be the power of God. I, I can't do it. It has to be all, all you, or, I, or it'll be a flop. So I rely heavily on your power tonight, and I ask you now to use me. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, and pour me out on your people, and we'll give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Verse 1 there. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity 
than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So better is the poor that walketh in his integrity. The first half of that verse, we've seen in previous Proverbs, where it seems almost like Solomon's kind of critical of the poor. Uh, you know, he talks about, you know, the poor doesn't have very many friends, the poor this, that, and the other. We see a lot of negative things about the poor. Not that he's trying to degrade the poor, but he's just simply speaking truth about when you're when you're in a down and out situation. Uh, you know, the natural world and its natural desires is not going to rush to your aid. It's going to take some people to have the love of God in them before they're going to come and help you. Most of the world just says, "Hey, I got to get mine. I ain't got time for you." That's the way the world thinks. But he says, "Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity." Here, he's recognizing here. In this verse of Scripture, that all poverty is not caused by somebody having a moral failure and just being lazy or not caring or, or some kind of weakness in their life. That, but, you know, some people are poor just because of unfortunate circumstances, things that happened and befell them that they couldn't help. Uh, you know, again, a, a fire with no insurance, something you are preparing for. I mean, you lose everything you got. Uh, you know, and but, but like I said, they're, they're definitely poor people who haven't got a thing in this world but they've got integrity. And I've known people like it over the course of my life. Good, God-fearing, real, soft of the earth people that didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they had more character than, than most people I've known. And, uh, you know, often the men that are put under the feet of the cruel are the ones that God carries closest to his heart. And, and it, it didn't seem as often as it used to be, but like I said, I've met many people that didn't have much at all Yet they knew the Lord, and they were happy to do what they could to help other people, even if it meant doing doing without themselves. I'll tell you, I, and I don't, I don't just like to talk about videos or things, but I, I've noticed something. I, I've noticed, I, I noticed that people do try to help out those around them that are struggling. And that's so backwards from the way you would see if you handed that to a, a, a more wealthy person. They stick it in their pocket and walk off. And, you know, again, better is the poor that walketh in his integrity. And it reminded me of a story I had read, and I, and I searched and found it on, on the Internet today. And uh, let me read it to you about the poor walking in his integrity. It said, a friend of mine handed me a very old metal matchbox car today. Then he said, I found this yesterday, and it reminded me of a major life lesson. I held it in my hand, and I looked at it while he talked. Y'all remember matchbox cars, right? Hot wheels and matchbox cars. He said, when I was in elementary school, we did a secret Santa in my classroom at school. All the kids drew a name. And then we exchanged presents the last day before Christmas break. He said, my parents went out and bought me a nice new toy to give to the child I had drawn. My mom wrapped it up, and the, the kid and the kid loved the present that, that received it. Then he said, I went and found my present from a boy in my class I really didn't know. It looked like it had been wrapped up with newspaper. He said, I opened it. And it was that little car you're holding in my hand, in your hand, and it was a picture. He had a picture of it, and it was just—it was a most beat-up, wore-out little Hot Wheels car, or Matchbox car. 
He said, but when he gave it to me, it was dirty. It looked really well played with. He said, I was mad that I, I was given such a nice gift, uh, that I had given such a nice gift, and he had put so little effort into his. I felt cheated. He said, but later on, I learned the kid lived in a very run-down shack. His mom was sick, and his daddy had left them years before. He said, they barely had enough money to have heat and food. He said, when I realized he had given me one of his own, only his, his only few toys, I felt ashamed for the way I treated him when I got the gift. He said, I only learned how poor he was after he quit coming to school and we were told that his mom had died and he'd been sent into foster care and I never saw him again. He said, I kept this little car all these years because I know it was the best present I've ever gotten. I thought about this story and looked at that little car sitting in my hand and cried. How many times in my life have I been given something from someone and not appreciated its true value? This kid had given with his heart when he had so little, and it made me realize that I need to always remember to never judge anything on the surface and always look deeper. And, you know, that story touched my heart when I read it because, I, I mean, I remember kids like that in school. I remember a little boy named Ricky Dudley that everybody picked on so bad, and that kid came from a, a rough home. And, you know, but, again, a little kid in the story. He didn't have anything, but he gave the very best that he had because he wanted to give something to somebody else. And, again, just because somebody's poor don't mean they, can't, they don't have integrity. Amen? But, you know, again, God, God draws that picture, and then he has Solomon say, but then he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. You compare the poor man who ain't got nothing, but he's got his character, he's got his dignity, and he, he's, got, he's, got, he's got respect. He's got all those things that you can't buy. And then you take somebody who may have all kind of money in the world, but they, but they ain't got any character. <clears throat> you know, Proverbs doesn't sugarcoat the disadvantages of being poor, but it also recognizes being poor is in no way the worst thing that can happen to somebody. It's far worse to be a fool who speaks twisted and perverse things than to be a poor person. And fools do. They say stupid things because down inside they're controlled by evil. The way they speak doesn't reflect reality. It reflects their, their warped mind. A fool's mind is a warped mind. And that's why the scripture says <coughs> in Proverbs seventeen twelve, let a bear robbed of her whips meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. Because a fool, uh, there ain't much hope for a fool. Verse 2, it says also, that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet, sinneth. So we're looking at two. We're looking at two character flaws in somebody in this verse. All right. First of all, that the soul be without knowledge, it's not good. We're talking about ignorance. Somebody that just don't know. And you know what? We live in a day and time where if you're if you're ignorant, you're doing it by choice. We live in a day right now where
you can buy a copy of the Word of God and read it. You can get it in any language that they print it in. And, and I'm pretty sure you can do that without anybody giving you the proof. So if a person's ignorant of the Word of God, it's because they choose to be ignorant. So when a person, a soul, that is, has no wisdom or is without knowledge, not a good thing. We got people running around all over the place and don't we got enough sense to come in out of the grave. I mean, really. And it's it's by choice most of the time. Because they never applied their heart to wisdom. They, they just coasted through life and never really never really never really set their heart to wisdom as God tells us to do. And you know, it, it may be common, but it's not good. And it's sad to me. What really breaks my heart, is, what's sad to me, is that so many people today have no clue how corrupt the world really is around them. They have no clue. They have, they're not awake. They don't understand what's going on. The devil has them lulled to sleep. They, they think everything's going to be all right. They just they can't see it. You know, it's so sad that the Word of God is the unopened love letter to so many people. I mean, it's right there before them, and God... God wants to tell them how much he loves them. He loves them so much that he sent his own son and sacrificed his own son for their sakes, but yet they won't read it and find out. So sad that men ignore the plain word of God that plainly shows them that the soul be without knowledge. It's not good. And the second half says, he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. And that's certainly talking about the two eyes in this verse. We've got the eye of ignorance. We've got the eye of impulsiveness. The man, the man or the woman that makes rash decisions. Y'all know Elvis Presley said that. Too. Old Elvis, but as some kind of standard. But I mean, he he got, he got somebody got that from the Bible and put it on. Because again, it's not good to, for for a person to to uh, to get hasty with their feet. Uh, Solomon said it's not good for somebody to rush into something. You know, on this on this side of eternity, we struggle with sin. You know, again, we get to the other side. Amen. This body of flesh will be will be changed into a body like Christ, be perfect, and won't have any desire for sin anymore. And we won't have to fight the, the we won't have to fight those desires for flesh. We won't have to fight those temptations. But but praise God, that's then. But right down here, we have we have, we have those temptations and the struggles with the flesh, but you can struggle with it, but that don't mean you ought to run to it. There's a difference between struggling with your flesh and running toward what he's struggling with. And he that hastes it with his feet, he's going to get in trouble. When somebody acts impulsively, it's done quickly, what it means. Somebody say, you make, a, you make a snap decisions. Well, those are never good. In my opinion, uh, what I have seen in life, making quick decisions never turn out right. Amen. It's always best to pray about something and and and, and seek the advice of, of people who are closer to God than you are if you're going to make a, a serious decision in your life. But when they again, when they, it's usually quick decisions and it's usually inconsiderate decisions. You're not considering other people's feelings and how it's going to impact their lives when you make a fast, quick decision. You're only thinking about yourself at that moment. It's also called selfish behavior in itself. So God said us in his word, he that hasteth with his feet sinned. And those are the reasons why. Verse 3, i got to hear it. got four more. The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth 
against the Lord. So the foolishness of man perverteth his way. The fool is foolish because they're twisted and they're corrupt and they're crooked. And that's why the fool is foolish. He, because, and why does a dog bark? Because he's a dog. That's his nature. Right? Why does a cow moo? That's because that's their nature. Why does why does a fool do stupid things? Because that's his nature. Right? The foolishness of man perverted his way. And it's also true that the foolish man's choices and the path that he that he follows leads him to make even more foolish decisions. Right? I mean, if you're on the right road, you're not going to make a lot of bad decisions God. And their heart frets against God. 
That means it can't be a peaceful God. It's got a problem with God. Every time somebody brings up God, they get agitated. Somebody invites them to church. I ain't going to church. Why don't we go down there? That thing fall in if I go over there. You ever heard anybody say stuff like that? You know what the problem with them is? They're fretting against the Lord. Guarantee you, people talk like that. They got a problem with God. They don't want to tell you they got a problem with God, but they got a problem with God. And that's why they ain't been in his house. Because they've got a problem. And it ain't God's problem, it's their problem. And listen, <clears throat> they're angry with God. Maybe they've gotten bitter against God. Why? Because they're twisted. It ain't because of God. It's because they're twisted in their mind. You see, fools try to blame God when they ruin their own lives. But if God was a good God, he wouldn't let this happen to me. The dummy that did it, how come you going to blame God? You, God didn't make your choices for you. People, oh, they will. They ruined their lives. Wound up, wound up in the hospital, lost a limb. Wound up, wound up in, a, in a nursing home, lost half their mind, and they want to get bitter and shake their fist at God because they did it to themselves. The fool is not willing to accept failure as his own. He got to blame God, and to blame God's foolishness. Proud spirit is full of arrogance and blasphemy. Criminal, he blames the judge. That judge give me a bad sentence, give me a hard sentence. No, you earned it. You wouldn't be standing before him if you hadn't done it. But he can't see that. It's the judge's fault. He give me a he give me a hard sentence. I mean, I don't deserve that. <laughs> Fool ain't got no sense. Fool just gets bitter and angry. He can't see. He needs to get right. Verse four. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Again, there's a lot in this about wealth and poor in this chapter. But wealth maketh many friends. That's pretty obvious, I think. When a person's wealthy. It draws people into them in friendship. Oh, everybody wants to be a rich man's friend. Oh, we hung out over so-and-so's house. Man, they got all kinds of stuff. I've heard people talk about that. They go and hang out at somebody's house. It's just, I mean, oh, they got four years and four years and all kinds of boys. got a big old time. We're going to go back over there again sometime. Yeah, sure, he's wealthy, man. He's going to buy all the gas and all the, all the food and have the big time for you. That's the way people like to do. They like to gather up with somebody who's got plenty of money. And... uh but those, sense, those friendships are not sincere, and they're not really meaningful. Because when a guy when a guy cuts all the fun off, that's when people stop showing up, showing up at his house. You know, again, somebody inherits a bunch of money, or somebody wins a lotto, or some kind of something like that, and and suddenly everybody's a friend. I mean, everybody. You know, I, I think about I think about uh, the parable that Jesus told. About the, uh, the prodigal son of the story, it wasn't a parable. It was a story because it was a certain man. It wasn't just any man. It was a certain man. But he said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now, I don't think he stood in a 7-Eleven feeding money into the quarter machine until he run out of money. 
I don't think he done that. I don't think he went down to the liquor store and bought liquor from still outside and brought it to the cash out and how money left. I think he found some people that want to party too. I think he found some old floozy gal somewhere that wanted to tell him he was the best looking dude in town and put one on each arm and, and take him in the bird joint and he was a man of town for a while. I think that's probably what happened. I figured he was going to all the shows and and man had a different one on his arm every night and taking them out to the finest restaurants and buying them diamonds and pearls and everything he could he could find to do and had four or five buddies with him, had an entourage, walk in. You can do it. Hand out handing out free stuff, everybody be your buddy. But the Bible says when he spent off and there arose a mighty famine in that land, he began being warned. All that rice is living. You know, when the party was over, so was the friendships. Because all the friends were there, so it was more party. When the liquor run out and the drugs run out and, and, and all the rest of it run out, well, so everybody was gone. He woke up by himself, said, I ain't got nothing. I need some help. Probably went down to see them people again. Hey, you know, last week we was having all that big fun and everything. Hey, uh, I ain't got no money. Ready you give me something to eat? I'm sorry, I can't help you. Guarantee you, that's what he heard. Every house he went to, every place he went to. Man, get out of here. Come back when you got some money. He went and found somebody and said, well, you can go out there and maybe, maybe you can go out there and feed my hogs. You can find anything in that hog shop to eat. You go right on here. There's plenty of that. Hey, I got plenty of that. I'll have plenty of that every day. You just hang it out there. You have plenty to eat. Well, that guy was looking out for him, too, wasn't he? I mean, tell you, he was really looking out for him. He said, you know what? I ain't, I ain't got no bread for you, but if you can chew with them hogs, you're chewing, you go right ahead, buddy. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Again, the wealthy, wealthy man has advantages, and he draws in folks like a magnet. But the poor man, he, he doesn't have any of that. And, and what... What would be friends he has, and man, they'll find their excuse in the world to get away from him when he's got a need, because hey, you know, that's all he's got is needs. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Uh, it's not just a whole lot to this one, but you know, the first idea of this proverb is probably that of a court of law, where it says a false witness shall not be unpunished, and we know that's the case. People get found in in contempt of court and things like that, if they, if they tell lies and they don't do right in court, the courthouse. But, you know, and it, it's necessary. It's, it's essential that a, somebody gives a false testimony that they're punished. Otherwise, you'd never have a fair courtroom. But, you know, justice depends on a, on a fair, true testimony. But this principle goes way beyond the court of law. It goes in all the way into our daily lives. And, and God loves the truth. God only wants truth. He wants truth. He wants truth. He wants, he wants truth in business dealings. God wants truth, especially when it comes to, to his word. He wants truth everywhere, uh, you know, and, and he demands it. God loves the truth, and God wants us to speak nothing but the truth. And the second of the verses, he that speaketh lies shall not escape. And, you know, and, and I know that, you may say, well, that don't seem right because there's plenty of people that lie and get away with it. Bill Clinton made a career out of it. Barack Obama's made a career out of it. 
Joe Biden's making a career out of it. He's made, he's made a whole life out of it. Most politicians have made a pretty good career out of speaking lies, and you'd say, well, they, they didn't get punished. I mean, look, hey, they lived a full life and died. Well, that's true. Sometimes false witnesses and liars escape the discovery and penalty of their sins among men. We don't get to punish them. Say, man, they didn't, they didn't have to serve no time. Nobody found them, and they got away with it. Well, God says, he who speaks lies is not going to escape. He said, matter of fact, Jesus said every word would be held to an account. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said, but I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Ain't true. I'm going to tell you something. Preachers are going to be held to an extremely high standard for what they said or what they didn't say in the pulpit. And I, I know I ain't talking to preachers tonight, but if there's any listening to me, you better remember that, brother. God's going to hold us, hey, listen, to how, how, how we stayed with the truth or how we didn't stay with the truth. God's going to hold us to a standard. And, and, and you know what? That's why I don't care what you think about what I say up here. It's not that I don't love you, but when I tell you the truth, I'm going to tell you the truth. And, and and that's why I can't care about I, I can't I can't worry about preaching whether I'm preaching truth or not. I have to preach truth. And you know, again, I, I know that's why a lot of churches, you know, they, they'll 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 pick a man who's who's uh, real educated but doesn't have any fire in him because they they don't want their toes stepped on. You know, you gotta you gotta step on toes. You gotta mash them flat. That's the only thing we respond to. I tell you, my daddy, when my daddy was alive, you know, he could tell me something, and I might hear him, and then again, I might not hear him. But, boy, if he got a hold of me and got right in my face and got in my business, I, my ears popped up. And that's the way preaching's meant to be. God God told us, you know. It, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. It might look foolish to a lot of people. It may sound foolish to a lot of people. But the Bible said it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression. Amen? That's what God tells us to do. So, you know, whether we like it, whether we, whether it, you know, it hurts somebody or not, you know, you preach to a drunkard even if he's drinking. Amen? You got to preach on drinking. Even if a man's sitting back in the back is a drunkard. Listen, you got to preach on drugs, even if you got somebody in the congregation that, that, that you not, may know is, 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 is doing stuff like that. If you got somebody shacked up with somebody in your church, you still got to preach on fornication and adultery. And, and again, God's going to hold us to an account. He that speaking lies shall not escape. Verse 6, many will entreat the gifts of the prince. I'm sorry, I didn't get that right. Many will entreat the favor of the prince. And every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. And that kind of sounds like one of the other verses we just read. The second half does anyway. But it says many will entreat the favor of the prince. You know, somebody's of high status and importance, you know, a lot of people wouldn't get close to them because, hey, they have influence. They have power. They're able to do this or they're able to do that. And then they can help me in some way. So, yeah, people get close to somebody like that. And and they're, they're advantaged to having having a friend who's influential. It's, you know, it's, it's, I, I figure it's probably good to be 
be good friends with the chief of police or probably probably help you out if you're good friends with the, with the county judge. You know, if you get in a bind and they know your character, it's, you're more likely to get favorable treatment. So, you know, God's not telling you to bribe nobody. He's just saying it doesn't hurt to have friends in high places, you know. And it sure don't hurt to have friends in high places. Amen. When God is on your side. And, and the Bible said, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. You know, again, that's what we go back to a while ago, saying a rich man has a lot of friends. And uh, and a lot of people who offer friendship, they do so, but they do it out of selfish motives. They just want to be your friend for what they can get from you. There's a lot of times that happens. People see you can benefit them in some way, so they become your friend for that reason alone. And uh, they want to benefit of the favor of knowing uh, somebody in important places and, and, and the gifts that, that may come along with it. And, you know, like I said, every man's a gift to give him that giveth gifts. Let somebody win. Like I said, let somebody win a big cash award or something. And, you know, everybody say, can you help me out with this? Can you help me out with that? Can you? Oh, I mean, everybody in the world will come to them. We've got the same story. I need this. I need Can you help me with that? Every man's a friend to him that giveth gifts. Turn your phone off. Amen. You've got to move. Amen. <laughs> people are coming. People show up on your doorstep daily if you got a big a big stack of cash somewhere. And lastly, verse 7. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. Man, that sounds sad. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. I hate when we end on a sad one, but we're going to have to today. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. To be poor is often, like I said, to be rejected by men. Maybe even your own brothers in your family. Maybe you, your friends you used to have. You wound up poor now. Nobody wants to hang around you anymore. But you know what? I know somebody else who's in that same shape. Second Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. Jesus didn't live no life in a rich man down here. I mean, his 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 stepdaddy was a carpenter, but again, I, I don't think I don't think they were wealthy people. Jesus worked with his hands. He grew up working in his, in, in Joseph's workshop, and and you got to remember there wasn't no plug-ins in there, so they they swung a heavy hammer. And they used hand tools. Everything was either drilled out by hand or sawed, sawed by hand or chiseled by hand and sanded and everything. I mean, everything he did was by hand, you know, again. And, and, and they weren't rich. So he, he knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to live a meager life. Bible, the second half of that verse says, he pursueth them with words. Yet they are wanting unto him. Like I started off tonight saying, by nature, people avoid a poor person. Just by their human nature. I, I, I know I know when I pull up at a red light somewhere and there's somebody sitting there with a fine in their hand, the last thing I'm going to do is engage them in conversation at a red light. Um 
most, and I know there are people, there are some people who get in a bind and put themselves in that shape and stand there and try to get help, but most of the time it's somebody who wants cigarette money or beer money, and that's why they stand at a red light, and they've made a sign to make you feel sorry for them. Most people, most people in that shape are not going to, they just, they're going to do something else first. They're going to try something else first. But, like I said, that human nature says to us, look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Don't look over there. Don't look over there at them. Just ignore them. That's what, that's what human nature says. But by contrast, what does God do? God goes after God goes after I'm saying human flesh, human nature says, I don't need to get involved. But God says, those are the ones that need me. So let's keep that in mind. Amen? The world, again, God, God shows us this because the world is backwards. The world, everything in the world is upside down. God Amen? Every, I mean, again, in this world, everything is all about me, 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 me. Take care of me. Get me. I got to make sure I'm taken care of. When in all reality, if we live the way God would have us to live, everything in this life would be you, 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 you. And you know who you'd be? You'd be somebody else's you. And God would help you through somebody else. And you'd be helping others through somebody else. And in a world like that, everybody would be taken care of. That's the way God wants it done. Amen? So we need to remember that God loves other people through us. And don't look at somebody that's down and out as a problem. Look at them as a potential person that God is trying to help through you. And if you can help them, and you can be a blessing to them, love them and show them the love of God. Amen? All right. I'm going I'm to stop us right there. Let's stand our feet. Let's stand our feet tonight. It's been good to be with you in God's house. Amen? And uh, remember, Lucas will be here Sunday. So y'all please be here in Lord's house and and, and support Lucas and uh, and his wife and little girl. Uh, be a blessing to them. Amen. I know he. I know he's looking forward. It's been a while since he's been here and preached. So I know he's looking forward to to doing it. So y'all please pray for him and you pray for us. And, and we're gonna we're gonna look forward to uh, to getting down there and, and doing some good for the Lord and. Uh, having a little break and coming back and feeling revived and renewed. Either that or I'll meet you in heaven, one of the two. Amen? And I'll do that. That sounds like a better deal to me than the other. Amen? be quite honest with you. But I'm looking forward to it, whatever happens. Amen? From here on out, I'm just I'm just thankful for every single day we got. And I know I know the end is I know the end is coming because because the things uh, the the machinery is in motion for that to happen. But that's okay, because we know where and we know where we're headed. And I, I'm thankful to know that you know where you're headed. And if somebody listening to me don't know where they're headed, you need to get you need to get to Jesus, and you need to know that He died and shed His blood for you. You need to trust Him as your Savior, because He'll wash you white as snow. Amen. Anything from anybody before we go to the house tonight? All right. Well, I love you. I appreciate every one of you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Richard dismisses.